I'd like to begin this season by saying a special thank you to our Patreon subscribers for their kind feedback on last season's bonus episodes. The story episode in particular seems to have resonated with many of you, and I'm glad you enjoyed the various adventures of Keiko, the metalworker. While Keiko, her family, and indeed her entire village were fictional, the character of Sir Kinoshita Tokichiro was very real and will play a massive role in Japanese history during this season. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, please consider supporting. For $3 a month, you not only gain access to every exclusive bonus episode I've made so far, but you also get ad-free episodes, as well as twice-monthly streams in which I play video games inspired by Japanese history. If that sounds good, head over to patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan, all one word, and become a patron today. And now, let us return to the narrative history of Japan, picking up where we left off in 1573 with the last Ashikaga shogun being expelled from the capital, and Oda Nobunaga attempting to fill the vacuum of warrior leadership. Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 10, Episode 1, Unfinished Business Welcome to Season 10, the Azuchi Momoyama Period. This particular era of Japanese history is quite short when compared to previous seasons. It spans 1573 to 1600, a mere 28 years. However, as Vladimir Lenin once famously said, quote, there are decades where nothing happens, and there are weeks when decades happen. End quote. Several such decade-long weeks happened in Japanese history during this less-than-three-decade period, many of which would come to influence and even define Japanese history in the centuries that came after. At the end of the previous season, Oda Nobunaga had succeeded in driving Shogun Ashikaga Yoshiaki out of the capital, and thus was in a good position to more fully direct the affairs of state. Although Yoshiaki himself would live for several decades longer, the Ashikaga shogunate was, by this point, already largely considered an outmoded relic of a bygone era. The preceding decades of powerful warlords using shoguns as puppets to prop up kleptocratic dictatorships had gradually, but effectively, worn away any sheen of respectability and influence of the shoguns themselves. It probably appeared to many contemporaries that Oda Nobunaga was just another in a long line of strongmen who dominated the shogunate to enrich his own coffers and make war against his neighbors. Now that he had taken the radical step of eliminating the Ashikaga shogunate entirely, however, Nobunaga had gone one step further than his predecessors, the Miyoshi and Hosokawa clans. While those ambitious forebears had occasionally replaced non-cooperative shoguns with more pliable candidates they controlled, both were implicitly dependent upon the veneer of rightful authority that the shogunate provided. Neither would have dared to do away with the institution itself. Before proceeding with the events that followed Nobunaga's effective seizure of state, it bears asking why he felt comfortable doing so in the first place. Part of the answer, I think, lies in the foundation of his power. 
The Hosokawa were based in Kansai and were thus dependent on the support of entrenched powers in Kansai. Because of the Hosokawa's disputed succession, those long-standing regional clans could often extract more favorable conditions by playing both sides. The Miyoshi were based on the nearby island of Shikoku, but they were just as reliant on the powers of Kansai to support their hegemony given the difficulty involved in maintaining communication and calling up reinforcements from their headquarters. If they had managed to gain real control over southern Kansai or even Kawach province just east of the capital, the Miyoshi might have succeeded where the Hosokawa failed in establishing stable, independent power capable of defending its rule. Oda Nobunaga's base of power was Owari province, which is situated on the southeastern edge of Chubu. Before he marched on the capital, he spent a long, difficult campaign against the Saito clan of Mino province, and it was only after Mino was firmly under his control that he struck for Kyoto. When he entered the city, originally championing the cause of installing Ashikaga Yoshiaki as shogun, he had the advantage of power that was independent of Kansai, while also being near enough to reinforce his position when necessary. And the close relationship he cultivated with the imperial court soon gave him an air of personal legitimacy which the Hosokawa and Miyoshi never managed to achieve. The expulsion of Ashikaga Yoshiaki from the capital and his subsequent exile seem pretty clearly to have been broad objectives for Nobunaga since he entered the capital. He had refused all offices which Yoshiaki attempted to confer upon him, and tried to forbid the shogun from engaging in politics. Thus, when the time came for him to more directly take charge, accusations of disloyalty or betrayal were less effective. In fact, Shogun Yoshiaki appeared somewhat ungrateful in his attempts to lure other powerful daimyo to the capital to supplant the man to whom he owed his office. While Nobunaga's position in the capital was fairly secure for the moment, his long-term prospects were anything but certain in 1573. In addition to the ongoing siege of the Ishiyama Honganji Fortress, an Iko-Iki stronghold that lay just south of the bustling port city of Sakai, there was also the Iko-Iki Fortress Network at Nagashima, which was located on the border of Owari and Ise provinces. To his north, the Azai and Asakura clans still presented an active threat, though they had been weakened by recent Oda clan victories. Far to his east, the Takeda clan remained a large and well-organized opponent who, in spite of the recent loss of their famous daimyo Shingen, presented a potential danger. The Azai and Asakura were still reeling from their recent defeat, and the fortress of Ishiyama Honganji was locked in a stalemate siege. An invasion of the Takeda domains would take many months to prepare, and Nobunaga decided to stage an assault on the Nagashima Fortress Network in the meantime. The network itself was a formidable target. Located in a swampy area, just getting an organized army to the fortresses was a difficult proposition, and the Iko-Iki who held the fortresses were determined defenders who were known to be experts in the organized use of arquebuses, something the more official samurai factions were still struggling to fully utilize, including the Oda. 
The battle plan which Nobunaga's leading generals conceived was full of diversions, feints, and surprise attacks which may have proven successful under different conditions. As my tone implies, however, this battle would not end in yet another Oda clan victory. In July of 1573, at the head of an army which totaled around 30,000, Oda Nobunaga came to Nagashima in hopes of breaching the fortress network through a series of battlefield deceptions and bold assaults. Among his commanders were Kinoshita Tokichiro, Takigawa Kazumasu, and Sakuma Nobumori. Both Tokichiro and Kazumasu had stellar reputations as brave battle commanders who understood their assignments and performed admirably well under seemingly adverse conditions. The ongoing effort to subjugate Issei province met with early successes especially thanks to Kazumasu's efforts. Sakuma Nobumori, however, was starting to gain a less than favorable reputation. Although Nobumori had performed well during the pacification of the Rokkaku clan and had effectively led troops during the scouring of Mount Hiei, his performance against the Takeda clan at the Battle of Mikatagahara was notably overcautious, and he withdrew his contingent of troops after a cursory skirmish with the Takeda army. His fellow officer Hirate Hirohide, however, boldly tried to hold the line alongside the Tokugawa army and was killed in the process. Although he was a longtime supporter of Oda Nobunaga from within the Oda clan itself, he seemed to grow increasingly cautious in his later years, earning the nickname Noki Sakuma, which means retreating Sakuma. The failure at the second assault on Nagashima, however, cannot be attributed to one man alone. Just before the assault began, a heavy rain delayed the impending battle. The Ikko-Ikki at Nagashima were renowned for their expert use of Tanegashima arquebuses and protected their firing mechanisms, keeping them dry for the coming battle and ensuring that their weapons would perform as expected. Nobunaga's divisions, however, took no such protective measures, and when the time came for the assault to begin, their muskets failed to discharge while their enemies fired repeatedly at them with no difficulty at all. While some of the commanders met with certain limited successes, the overall assault was a failure and withdrawal was the only recourse. The second siege of Nagashima was a disaster for Oda Nobunaga's cause, but it was not a complete disaster. While the Iko-Iki musketeers were so relentless in their initial defense that Nobunaga himself feared for his life, a fortress in the southern portion of the complex, known as Yata Castle, fell to a concerted assault by a division led by Takigawa Kazumasu. While he was forced to withdraw his forces in the face of a counterattack, the seizure itself proved that the Nagashima complex was not entirely impregnable. The second siege of Nagashima was hardly the first time in Japanese history when an army had neglected proper care of their firearms and were thus punished for said negligence. In fact, Nobunaga's most impressive early victory was likely due, in part at least, to the negligence of the Imagawa army in protecting their matchlocks from the hazard of soaking rain, making his failure at the second siege of Nagashima something of a mystery. It seems likely that Nobunaga and his battle commanders had not yet realized the tactical importance of keeping one's powder dry, as it were, but their later successes with firearms seemed to support the idea 
that they learned from previous failures like the Second Siege of Nagashima. For now, however, Nobunaga's army was forced to withdraw, lick its wounds, and refocus their efforts on another theater of his ongoing wars. The Azai and Asakura clans who resided in northern Omi province and Echizen province respectively still presented a threat to Nobunaga's suzerainty in spite of their recent defeats. Nobunaga staged his army at Gifu, his personal capital, and marched his 30,000 warriors into Omi province in September of 1573, seeking vengeance against the Azai clan who had betrayed him. He began by besieging Odani Castle, a well-built mountaintop fortress with three baileys and a moat. The Asakura clan, who still possessed considerable martial resources, rallied 20,000 of their own warriors and prepared to face off against Nobunaga in Omi province. The two armies met at the Battle of Tonezaka, and Nobunaga's forces decisively prevailed. Of particular note among the Asakura casualties was one Saito Tatsuoki, whom you may remember from last season. The heir to the Saito clan, whom Nobunaga had unceremoniously ousted from Mino province, had taken shelter with the Asakura clan and was killed in battle at Tonezaka. This was a catastrophic loss for the Asakura clan, and their daimyo Yoshikage desperately sought shelter at Ichijodani Castle. However, the Oda clan army was hot on his heels, and soon assaulted Ichijodani, which was not well fortified, and soon fell to the concerted attack. Asakura Yoshikage, desperate for safety amid the destruction of his army, was advised by his cousin Asakura Kageakira to seek shelter at a nearby Buddhist monastery called Rokubo Kensho. However, Kageakira had been keeping a secret correspondence with Nobunaga and had agreed to betray his cousin, the daimyo, in exchange for promises that the rest of the Asakura family would be kept safe after his death. As he established temporary residence in the monastery for himself and his few remaining retainers, Yoshikage was betrayed by his cousin Kage Akira, who commanded his troops to attack the monastery. Fearing imminent capture or worse, Yoshikage hastily committed seppuku as his loyalists died at the hands of his cousin's troops. With his death and with their defeat at Tonezaka, the Asakura clan came apart at the seams. While Nobunaga had agreed to allow surviving members to live, his troops executed Asakura Kageakira along with all of the surviving members of Yoshikage's lineage as they were en route to Kyoto. Whether Nobunaga gave the orders for these executions is the subject of historical debate, although I frankly think it very likely that he did indeed give the order. The Asakura clan had been a thorn in Nobunaga's side for many years. The idea that his reputedly well-disciplined army had acted without orders rings false to me, though historians remain somewhat divided on the issue. With the Asakura clan and its network of retainers and vassals out of his way, Nobunaga was free to continue making war against the Azai domains in northern Omi province, laying full siege to Odani Castle. Before the end of 1573, the fortress was on the verge of collapse until finally falling to his concerted siege efforts. 
The sister of Oda Nobunaga, a woman remembered as Oichi, was determined to die alongside her husband, Azai Nagamasa. However, Nagamasa persuaded her to surrender herself and her three daughters, Chacha, Ohatsu, and Oeyo, to Nobunaga's fortress, which she did shortly before her husband committed ritual suicide. Oichi and her daughters were kept safe by Kinoshita Tokichiro, but the Azai clan met its final end in the conclusion of the siege of Odani Castle. Kinoshita Tokichiro was initially honored by being made the castellan of Odani Castle. However, he found practical governance of the surrounding countryside difficult to administrate from a mountaintop castle. After a short, frustrating time attempting to exert Oda clan influence from Odani Castle, he instead built a new castle in the village of Imahama, naming it Nagahama Castle. Being entrusted with a castle was a great honor, and around this time Kinoshita Tokichiro was also granted another honor from his liege lord, a new surname. He was henceforth referred to as Hashba Tokichiro, and that is the name by which we will refer to him for the moment. Be aware, however, that this is not the final time we will need to learn a new name for Hashba Tokichiro. With the Azai and Asakura clans successfully neutralized in late 1573, Oda Nobunaga sought to make a renewed attempt at taking the Nagashima Fortress complex early the next year. In the summer of 1574, Nobunaga deployed his forces for one final siege against Nagashima, hoping to remove this final obstacle to his suzerainty over much of Kansai. While previous actions against the fortress complex suggest that Nobunaga hoped he might seize it through rapid, overwhelming assault, it was clear by now that a longer-term strategy would be needed to actually defeat the belligerent Iko Iki of Ise province. In the summer of 1574, the considerable resources, manpower, and materiel necessary for such a venture were assembled, and the Oda army began its third and final siege of the Nagashima fortress complex. To assist him in this difficult endeavor, Oda Nobunaga turned to a man named Kuki Yoshitaka, a samurai whose family had long-standing ties to the former Ashikaga shogunate and who served as headmasters for their very own martial arts school, Kukishin Ryu, which taught students the effective use of spears, swords, halberds, shuriken, grappling, battle strategy, and nearly every other relevant martial art of the day, save for the bow and the firearm. Although the Kuki had served the Ashikaga since the days of Takauji, they seemed to have been ambivalent about Nobunaga's seizure of power, and Kuki Yoshitaka eagerly served the Oda chieftain by providing command over a powerful strategic asset, a navy. The navy which Kuki Yoshitaka assembled utilized newer weapons like arquebuses and, more importantly for the impending battle, cannons. Shipbound cannons were still in a somewhat primitive state in the late 1500s, but the fear factor of their destructive power was a potent psychological component. Thanks to naval bombardment of enemy watchtowers and amphibious landings, Nobunaga's forces quickly seized two of the outlying western castles and fortified them with cannon and sizable garrisons. 
Meanwhile, his divisions on the landward side advanced in a three-pronged attack that gradually seized the outlying fortifications and pushed the Iko Iki into the two main fortresses in the center. As they took the outer castles, they built large wooden walls between each one, which effectively cut off any possibility of relief or escape for the estimated 20,000 now caught in Nobunaga's trap. Within the two central fortresses were not only Iko Iki fighters, but many women and children as well. By August of 1574, the 20,000 or so who remained trapped within the central castles were experiencing food shortages and starvation. When it became clear that Nobunaga's triumph was imminent, the leaders of Nagashima offered their complete surrender to the Oda and their allies. These requests were refused, and instead a great wooden palisade was built around both central castles. When the palisades were complete in October 1574, Nobunaga ordered them to be lit in a great blaze which inevitably set the central castles alight as well. The estimated 20,000 Iko Iki who were trapped in the Nagashima fortress complex burned to death, and the historical sources all attest that none escaped their enemy's flames. Oda Nobunaga's legacy is a mixed bag. It's clear that he was of a different stripe than the petty-minded Miyoshi and Hosokawa clans who preceded him, yet he had an appetite for brutality that is impossible to ignore. The merciless slaughter of the residents of Nagashima is somewhat reminiscent of the merciless slaughter of the monks and civilian residents of Mount Hiei, which we discussed last season. While Nobunaga often recruited the former vassals of fellow clans which he defeated in combat, ideological enemies like the Iko Iki and the administrators of Enryakuji, who gave material aid to the Asakura clan, were given no quarter and no mercy by the increasingly powerful Nobunaga. Of course, as the execution of the surviving members of the Asakura family suggest, Nobunaga sometimes acted mercilessly toward his fellow ranking samurai, if we believe that he gave the order for their deaths. I think his treatment of enemies depended on how much said enemies could potentially prove a threat to his own power in the future. The Asakura clan still had standing among the other clans of Echizen and Omi provinces, meaning that any future Asakura daimyo who was allowed to rise could potentially unite northern Kansai in opposition to Nobunaga or his successors. Killing the family ensured that there would be no future Asakura daimyo. While it is tempting to think of the Iko Iki merely as religious fanatics, this is a simplistic understanding that does not address the roots of their actual popular influence. Some who sheltered at the Nagashima complex were fanatics who believed it was their duty to oppose the unequal power system championed by the samurai, but many were civilians who were looking for a safe and pleasant place to live. Some were outcasts from their home communities, others were refugees from the period's incessant warfare, and yet others were orphans, widows, or elderly who had found their home among the egalitarian Iko Iki. I believe this is one reason why Nobunaga was so frequently cruel toward influential religious communities. In their somewhat independent structures of power and influence, he saw a potential threat to his own efforts at unifying Kansai under his authority. Later this season, we will discuss his relationship with Christianity, 
a foreign religion toward which Nobunaga was surprisingly friendly. Next time, however, we will continue following Nobunaga as he faces off against his old enemy, the Takeda clan, and fights one of the most famous and consequential battles in all of Japanese history. Until then, thank you for listening. If you would like access to exclusive bonus episodes, as well as ad-free versions of the regular episodes, please consider supporting this podcast at patreon.com slash ahistoryofjapan. Thank <laughs> you.